The Ensemble podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Net Wealth Investments Limited, ABN 85090 569 109, AFSL 230 975, and is limited to publicly available information. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Ensemble does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Advice tech. As if it wasn't enough to be across TMD's Alpha Beta, Rule of 72 and all the other nuances of financial advice. Now advisors are expected to be across all the technology options too and there's so many of them. But never fear, Peter D is here. Join me each week on a journey of discovery through the software and apps on offer for advisors and advice businesses. So let's dive in, fellow advice explorers. This podcast is proudly sponsored by NetWealth. Imagine a world of investment choice that goes beyond borders. Open up a world of investment opportunity with NetWealth, where you can access local and international securities, as well as bonds and foreign currency options for wholesale clients. Offer your clients flexibility, transparency, and efficiency with managed accounts, managed funds, and access to non-custodial assets. A world of investment awaits you. Discover it at netwealth.com.au forward slash woo. Hello and welcome to the Ensemble Advice Tech Podcast. I'm Peter Diamantidis and this week we're diving into our third Advice Tech feature episode where you remember we discussed broader sort of issues, um, ideas in the industry and sort of really, you know, particularly focused on the tech and the broader topics like that. So today's feature topic is due to all of your wonderful questions during the AI session at the Ensemble PD Day last November. And who better to have this conversation with than someone who has previously worked in an advice firm, is actually now part of the team at NetWealth. And you'll remember that NetWealth focuses heavily on tech for advisors with their annual production of the Advice Tech Report. However, like most of us, she isn't a coder, she isn't a tech geek, and so to me is perfect to walk with us on this journey of understanding, learning, and using AI. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, Rachel Cologan. Woo! Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Peter. Not at all. Now, I felt like we had to say that for both of us up front. Neither of us are experts in AI, folks. Like, <laughs> it's, no, it's easy to very- write. Yes, very much a used trial and error methodology right. going here. So <laughs> exactly, which I think is great. So before, however, before we kick off this little discussion, we need to ease us in a little and get to know you through your use of technology. Easy question up front: What is your most used emoji? Do you even use emojis? I do. I am a very stereotypical millennial in that regard. <laughs> My most used emoji is definitely the crying, laughing face. I, uh, it's almost become like an exclamation mark for me yeah. within emails, text messages. It just goes on the end of everything, whether it makes any rhyme or reason, doesn't matter. It's it's in there for a bit of spice. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. And I can never des- decide whether I want the one that's, you know, horizontal or the one tipped off to the side, you know, and I interchange between them <laughs> depending on how my head's at. When you get a horizontal <laughs> one from me, you know, I definitely think it is actually really quite funny. So <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Now, we're all permanently attached to our, you know, smartphones. Hopefully, everybody's had a bit of a break and has managed to put them down for a bit. But if you had to get rid of everything off your smartphone, all the apps, and could only keep three, which of the three would you keep? Oh, good question. So, first Mm. and foremost, I would say Spotify. I don't do anything without a little bit of background music going on. I can't work Mm. in silence. I can't clean the house in silence. I can't catch the bus in silence. I have to have something ticking along in the background, which is actually quite funny because my most listened to uh, playlist last year was chill lo-fi sounds, which is definitely <laughs> what I write emails to because it has no words. <laughs> nearly silence. So nearly you don't silence. want silence, you want nearly silence. <laughs> nearly silence, exactly. Just a couple of little dongs every now and again. Um, nice. Reddit would probably be the other one after that. I'm mm-hmm. definitely a lurker and not a poster, okay. um, but Strangely enough, is probably how I get most of my world news um, at the moment. I, you know, do use the Google News app and all the rest of that. But if I want opinions on things, if I want to look into something a little bit further, Reddit is probably the nice. place. 
Well, because that's sort of a conversation, isn't it? That's what's happening is you can you can witness a conversation, which is a great way Correct. to hear about something. Yeah, and you, it's almost like going to a, a a a news website and then just reading the comment section. Yeah, it's exactly that experience. Um, but yeah, that's I spend an inordinate amount of time on Reddit, unfortunately. Um, and probably lastly would be Instagram because mm-hmm. if I'm not texting, my primary mode of communication is just sending people reels. So. <laughs> Our pictures tell a thousand words, right? So, <laughs> and a so one-minute video tells so right? much more, <laughs> doesn't it? I'm, I'm right there with you. I've got a particular friend where that's that's our sole form of communication. Like, well, certainly, you know, in technology, is just backwards and forwards on the reels. Oh, look at this! You know, uh, it's hysterical. But although once you start doing that, of course, then all you start to see are those types of reels. So for a while there, I was obsessed with all the, you know, baby animals and puppies. So that's all I was getting in my feed. I'm like, guys, we need to calm down with all all the animal videos. Oh, absolutely. I did do that to myself with the algorithm. I shared this this story of this um, poor kid who had a really rough upbringing he was talking about. And then my real feed was just dark and dark and humorless for a little while. So had to swing it back the other way. <laughs> Correct. Going hunt of more technology. Sorry, more content. I completely agree. <laughs> so your session that you presented, the NetWell session at last November's um, All Licensed CPD Day for Ensemble, was this sort of exploration of how AI is revolutionising, you know, the advice landscape, um, and really sort of, you know, empowering advisors who then can then empower their clients, you know, so sort of looking at all the different parts and the places that AI is starting to play a part in um, and might play a part in. Now, this was one of those sessions that were loads of questions afterwards. Um, and while we had an opportunity to hear from you um, at the desk when you got interviewed afterwards, uh, we figured it was worthwhile, you know, getting on, you on the show to sort of dig a bit further into this because AI is certainly topical. Um, it's one of the most popular uh, themes in the platform, the Ensemble platforms. So let's start with this. It's clear, I think, that AI is no longer a fad, right? So it's not something that only tech geeks are going to need to be aware of. Um, You know, and I can't even think of any businesses that are going to be, you know, able to avoid this. They're all going to need to have an AI strategy of some sort. Would you agree? I would definitely agree with that, Peter. I would definitely agree with that. It's a funny thing, right? AI has been around for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, it's not a fad. It's what is the the fad and what's getting a lot of the buzz at the moment is around that generative AI, which is just a small part of the puzzle. You know, it is something that people and businesses have been using for quite a while now. So, yeah, yeah. definitely not a fad, just sort of going through a new evolution at the moment. Yeah, that's a thing. And I guess maybe that's a, a point worth making is – you know, anytime there's something new or weird or unusual or particularly something we don't fully understand or haven't dived into, there's a, always fear, isn't there? Like, ooh, this must be bad. You know, that's a natural reaction. But to your point, Absolutely. we've actually probably been using AI without even realising it for a very long time. You know, there's all sorts of things we interact with on a daily basis that will have some sort of artificial inter- intelligence behind them, right? Correct. That's right. You know, things like machine learning, for example, it's been around since, you know, the 90s. So, or even earlier, it's just, it's it's something that you do interact with day to day. You know, those simple sort of, you know, if, you know, the basis of everything AI at the end of the day is just an algorithm. Yeah. The algorithms are just getting very sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've had those simple alg- algorithms that go, if somebody does X, then Y happens right. for a very long time. So, you know, if you're using Spotify, if you're using Amazon, if you're using Instagram, if you're using an, a smartphone, you've used AI. You've absolutely yeah. used AI at one point or another. Absolutely. And I and I guess that's where you like you say generative AI now is sort of pushing us into this um interesting place where it's it, I guess it's almost made it more human to us because we feel like we're talking to something. Right, I think that's probably mm-hmm. where it's sort of blown people's minds a little. Right, it's like, wait, 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 this thing is real and human. Like, well, no, it's not human. Um, but I do think that there's this big ultimate concern. Let's deal with the big fear up front. Do we actually think that AI of any type, generative or otherwise, could replace the need for somebody to seek financial advice? Like, do we think that's real? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think that at all. I think really what AI is at the end of the day is it's simply a tool, right? You could sort of place it in the context of, you know, the invention of an Excel spreadsheet. 
did that reduce employment in accounting? No, if anything, it actually increased. You know, yeah. there's this common misconception out there or you know, it's sort of human nature to think that, you know, there's a, there's a finite amount of work within the world and if a certain piece of work is being done by a machine, then there's less work than for humans. Right. But that, that hasn't been the case. What typically happens is, yes, you know, jobs might shuffle around a little bit. Um, jobs might go to different people in different places. Some jobs may become redundant over time. But what then happens off the back of that is that new roles are created that we haven't even thought of yet. You know, yeah. someone in the 1800s would never have thought that there would be a million Americans working on the railway in the 1900s. And nobody in the 1900s would have ever known what the bloody hell a software engineer or a, yeah. a, a project manager was. Yeah. Yeah. So these things sort of come in swings around about. But I think in the context of advice, I, advice is such a heavy, heavily manual process. That's one thing that we can all agree on. It's such a manual process right from the get-go, right through to mm-hmm. completion. And AI is simply just a tool that's going to make that process a lot more efficient in the long run. Yeah, it is. And it's, look, we've been considering this a lot for ourselves in our business because I'm a big believer in, you know, once you acknowledge something is happening, and like we both said, this is happening. <laughs> this is what's going on. Then how do we navigate that? And and part of that is really being a bit honest with ourselves about what's the work that currently happens, what type of assistance is it, and therefore sort of almost proactively identifying things that are more likely to be done by a tool like this versus you know by you know by a human being. And I think for us the shift has been interesting because we realised okay, so information is clearly something that well tech generally, but. AI is clearly going to be great at, you know, there's this big pool of information, extract something from it. Okay, well, that makes sense. You know, that's something that's perfect for this type of tech. Context, well, it's not easy, but it might be able to partly provide context of that information within a context, depending on what you tell it. Clarity for somebody, you know, like really breaking it down so they can just focus on one thing. I think that's going to be harder for tech. You know, I think that's such a human thing that depending on where that person is and where their head's at, that's where you eyeball them and you can help them sort of break through that fog that people get to, you know, and that they need to work through and help them prioritize. That's a very human thing. And that's not, I don't think there's formulas generally for that. It's very much a a drawing it out of the individual, you know, it's really helping them and coach them, you know, and, and lots of coaching, reassurance, helping them act. So I think we've sort of got to the conclusion that coaching skills and having offers that focus on coaching is probably where we need to be. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I think, look, every I think all of us need to go through that process, really take a look at what you provide and the, all the elements of it, not so much the the process of advice, but the things you provide. Look at what does it make people feel and, and you know, the steps they go through and, and take a good look at what you think could be impacted because I think it can make a huge difference to the fe- the fear you feel because then you can have a, a bit of a strategy, right? Absolutely. Now, another broad theme. So if we're, okay, we're not all out of work. This is great. Everybody relax. Good. <laughs> then. <laughs> There's more work to do. Don't worry. And if anyone right. needs some work, I have an inbox that oh, is out of goodness. control. Yeah. So. Exactly. Everybody's, oh, good. You know, they haven't run off the road listening to the podcast. We're all relieved. Okay, good. Fantastic. <laughs> then, you know, another really broad theme that, that comes up, and it did come up in the questions uh, for your session, is the sort of, ethical use of content held within AI, right? So, you know, what does AI or big data do with the content, say, it receives from advice firms? How do we make sure that's used appropriately? How do we get comfort from the ethical side of things? Yeah, and look, this is really variable as well, depending on the type of AI tool that Mm. you're using because there's AI tools for everything at the end of the day. You know, even if you take a step back from the advice process itself, there's AI tools that help with your your own productivity um, and the own things that you're doing behind the background, not just in relation to the provision of advice itself. But it is something really to be conscious of. If you're using any new piece of technology, you need to be aware of some of the considerations that sit around that. You know, how are they using the data they collect? How do they collect the data? How do they store that data? What rights do they have to it? What rights do you have to that information? It's something that really should be investigated because, again, it can vary significantly between different pieces of technology. We look at something like a chat GPT and um, we know, for example, that they don't actually store the information. There's a process that that information goes through. So by the time they get back to chat GPT, it becomes a token. So it's not actually information stuff, but I still wouldn't be going and putting sensitive information into it right. at the end of yeah. the day. Um, it's really important 
from the outset to being very clear on what your strategy is and what your governance policy is around the use of AI as you would with any other tool within your practice. So making sure that you've got specific use cases for different pieces of AI. So for example, with ChatGPT, you probably wouldn't use it to find out factual information because realistically at the end of the day, its knowledge is only current up until January 2022. It it doesn't have the most up-to-date information. It's not really intended for that, that really factual targeted information, but you may use it to improve your grammar or to simplify a complex paragraph Um, you know there's different use cases for pieces of ai you need to be really um clear around what sort of information goes into there how staff are trained you know what the review process is who's responsible for reviewing things when they're upgrades to the ai tool yeah what do those processes look like interestingly uh for anyone that wants to take a look you can actually view microsoft's ai uh principles and responsible ai standards online as well. So they actually step out their own thought process behind a couple of those those pieces as well. And you're so right. I mean, there's, um, and, and I'm going to simplify this only because it's the only way I've managed to absorb it. So apologies to anybody that are experts listening and if I'm really oversimplifying it, but, you know, there's a difference between a tool that's an open sort of AI tool versus a closed one. And and so an open one is any of us are interacting and, you know, any information comes in or out. A closed one could be your own closed room you've chosen the information that's sitting in there and only you guys interact with it like those are two very different things right so understanding where they fall right on that spectrum is really important and hence probably would change what information you'd be willing to put in to get a response out because a very closed system clearly is much like having your own excel spreadsheet you know if you've got your own excel spreadsheet you're probably not worried about somebody you know, being able to see the calculation you're making versus something that sits broadly online that's publicly available. So I'm I'm with Absolutely you there. Separate. Understanding is really important with this in terms of what am I dealing with. Absolutely. And it's, it's not too dissimilar, right, between, you know, for example, we use Outlook for work. I wouldn't go and send client data through my personal Gmail account. Right. You know, it's, it's a, yeah. you should be conscious of those sorts of things as you progress. And it does mean, look, there's a lot of – there's a lot of asking we're going to need to do. This is we, There's no black or white answers with this stuff. It's all about, like anything in life, nuanced. So we've just got to keep on asking questions. I mean, one of the ethical things that I was really fascinated with towards the end of last year was Getty Images. So they're the people that do like sports images and, and stock photos and stuff. You know, so any of the great images you see on websites, somebody might have bought from Getty Images and they've sued one of the art generation providers because – the generator used Getty Images to teach its to teach its tool, right? And so, and the images they're using are copyrighted. You've got to pay for them if you're going to use them, right? So, so that's another ethical thing. Like, I think we're all going to need to just understand differently to understand the ethics of it, right? There's going to be layers of this stuff, um, and just because you can sweep something off a website doesn't mean you should, you know? Exactly <laughs> so right. And I think as well, look, to be honest, governments are struggling to to catch up with the speed at which this sort of stuff is coming out, never mind our own licensees and our own industry here. I actually did see something quite interesting recently as well. So I believe it's New York City um, mm-hmm. who've actually introduced laws around um, ensuring that there are no racial biases or disability biases or well not within recruitment processes because a lot of recruiters actually started using AI software to help them sift through candidates and any software that they're using actually has to be audited by an external third party to confirm that there are no biases within that particular software. So we're starting to move towards more regulation, but it is still, it is still a new yeah. The adoption is still a new space. Yeah. And when and it's so interesting when you when you're dealing with a machine and biases, the biases are our own that we've fed in. Right. Not necessarily (laughs) intentionally, but that's I mean, I read one thing that was fabulous and it was about um it was they were using AI to identify, I think it was like, I'm gonna say melanomas, but it was something like that. Like it was a skin thing, right? And so they were using it to much, you know, in a much faster way, give people back diagnosis or or insight into say their melanoma. And what was interesting is they were giving it certain images and it came back and it said, you know, it said, oh, all of these people definitely have melanoma. And, oh, this is fantastic. It's so consistent. But when they dug, the AI had worked out that all of the, the images with 
melanoma actually had a little ruler that measured it next to it. Um, and so it was picking up on the measurement thing. It wasn't picking up on any any factors that were in the actual melanoma. I'm like, and this is the problem, right? So we just, the, the bias existed, right? We put this piece of information that didn't, we think didn't mean anything. It was just a little ruler thing to sort of measure the size, but it went, ooh, that's a consistent measure of this thing, you know. So biases aren't, when we use that word, it doesn't need to mean intent or evil intent. It's just consistent responses that teach it something that we don't want to teach it. It's incorrectly identified a pattern somewhere along the line. So right. <laughs> That's all right. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, now, you know, you mentioned licensees and and all of us, you know, we've got this journey we're going to be going on and, and you know, financial services as an industry probably lags a bit, you know, on this sort of stuff, but naturally has real concerns about clients' personal information and privacy. I mean, you know, people are really concerned about that. You know, do you feel that we're at a point or will be at a point where there's enough security that can be put around things such that some tools, um, some specific tools, like you say, that utilize AI or generative AI um, could have clients' personal information put into them? Like, is that something that you think we'll end up working towards? Yeah, absolutely. I think we are already there, um, which I'll talk about in a second. But I suppose it's like any new tech, right? I always think about virtual meetings. You know, prior to COVID, I could have probably counted on two hands the amount of times that I'd ever done virtual meetings, or if I did them, they were usually large webinars that were to, you know, a couple hundred people rather than one-to-one discussions. I still did most of those over the phone or face-to-face. And when COVID hit, of course, we all got forced to very quickly start using some new technology. And I think back to NetWorld's own experience, I actually started off using Zoom. Initially, that was the software that I which is quite laughable now because I use Teams exclusively. And anytime yeah. someone wants to use Zoom, it's like giving an Apple user an Android phone. I just get <laughs> what? so completely Why? lost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the first time I've ever touched a mobile phone. Um, yeah. But I started off using Zoom and I think it would have been maybe two to three months in. We got a very strong direction that we were not allowed to use Zoom. There were concerns about people being able to join meetings uninvited. There were concerns about how the meeting data was being tracked, how it was being saved, was being so. And I see a lot of parallels in that now. Mm. Now, of course, it was COVID. It, I don't think we're going to see that same speed of evolution here because with COVID, you know, we got forced to adapt very quickly, but also technology providers were forced to adapt to our yeah. needs very quickly as yeah. well. Um, but there are some low-hanging fruits. So I think particularly with the introduction of co-pilots, Yep. So what a co-pilot is, is it's AI that's being introduced into existing software that you're right. already using. Um, so Microsoft Copilot is a great example. You know, we use Microsoft exclusively. We use the Microsoft suite and it well, I'm sure a lot of other people do as well. We're not mm. talking about introducing a new technology. We already know what Microsoft's data management policies are. They've already gone through a due diligence process. Effectively, the co-pilot is just an enhancement. Now, of course, that still needs a little bit of review. Yeah. Um, but it's just not to the same extent. Um, yeah. And I think that that's where a lot of businesses will start to basically have their first interactions with things like generative AI within those ecosystems that they're, they're already using day to day. Yeah. And look, I, I do think, um, <laughs> look, bless their cotton socks institutions, but also licensees, I mean, are naturally risk averse. It's almost their role, isn't it? Like it's like, ooh, we're here to protect you, which is fantastic. Um, the thing is we're always going to have to take them on a journey. I, I just think that's our role as advisors or or authorised reps or whoever within their group. We've got to take them on that journey. I mean, and the listeners, honestly, I'm probably going to get people messaging me saying, Peter, I do not believe what you're about to say. But years ago, many, many moons ago, um, there was a time when having a website for a financial advice firm was sort of a bit new. Now, not hugely new, but a bit new, you know, and and you had your yellow pages and you had your number in the yellow pages, but we we could get a website. And um, we had the uh, legal team in a licensee who will remain nameless say that it's far too risky to have a, and we're talking like a landing page website. Like this is just a, hey, details, bit of a pitch and maybe a contact us, you know, that like like was really quite basic. They're going, this is far too risky. We can't, we simply can't have any of you having any websites. So, you know, it's we've just got to take them on the journey. 
You know, we've got to educate, we've got to give them insights, we've got to explain, we've got to, you know, send them places to do the research, connect them with the people they need to be connected with. You know, it's it's um it's just the way it's going to work. They are, you know, licensees I think are going to be a bit adverse to this stuff. Um, and it's but I just don't think I think this is one of those issues we can't just put our hands up and give up. I think it's just going to be a part of what we do. So I think pushing your licensee to have that conversation will be really important because otherwise, you know, you potentially could open up risk because you're not dealing with it proactively enough, you know. So I think we all sort of need to give them a bit of a nudge. And help Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe to do some, to some tools that can help them as exactly, well. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Get the net wealth guys to come and talk to you. Like it's <laughs> like honestly it's – Anything like that is fearful because we just don't know. You know, you've just got to start. Um, now, one of the things that comes up with AI is accuracy, right? The accuracy of the information. And you mentioned, you know, chat GPT. Oh, it's only up to date to what well, was beginning of 2022, I think, was the latest, latest yeah. update. Yeah, update. Know, I think it was September 2021 before that. So they have updated right. it a little bit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, now, and, and if you're not sure what we're talking about here in terms of accuracy and even an even more basic example of that, we will have all seen some sort of uh, photo generated by AI that's got six fingers on somebody's hand, right? So (laughs) it's clearly not accurate or it's messed up. But, you know, in a financial advice context, which is pretty complex, you know, the sort of things we might be interacting with a tool, you know, a lot of the the sort of chat we had about the session about AI was, you know, who are checking the answers that AI bots are producing, right? Who's who's making sure this is correct? You know, what's your sort of take on that, on how how confident people can be about accuracy? Yeah. So I might go on a little bit of a rant about this one, actually, Peter. Ooh, I love uh, not a rant, but a long-winded explanation. <laughs> so I think when you're using AI, particularly if you're using AI to do something like help you reword an SOA or a strategy or something along those lines, at the end of the day, I think we need to come back to reality a little bit and just recognize that AI is not a magic tool that's going to do all of your job for you. What it will do is take some of the heavy lifting out of different parts. So there's tools, yeah. like I said, that help with your grammar, that can help with visual aids, that can help with videos, whatever it may be, right? There's different tools for different things. But if we're talking purely around strategy formulation, for example, at the end of the day, you are responsible for the advice that you provide. It's in my mind, no different to giving a power plan a guidance, but then not checking the plan yeah. when it comes back again. You still need to treat it with that same level of caution. AI, um, so generative AI in particular, has been known to do this thing, which is called hallucinate or make up answers <laughs> from time to time, which yeah. is a, an interesting sort of thing, right? So at the end of the day, like I mentioned earlier, AI at its core is just an algorithm. You've got your really, really simple algorithms. You've got your very, very complex algorithms. It also sometimes boils down to the type of information that you're giving to the AI as well. So whether it's structured data, so things like your bank statement, your banking data, very structured. You've got transactions that have a date, a time, an amount, a location, et cetera. It's why your bank's so good at knowing when the transaction's a bit dodgy because it doesn't sit in a pattern. Right. Then you have unstructured data. So that could be a social media post or a book or whatever it might be. It's data that doesn't have any sort of common format. A lot of the time, generative AI is working off of that unstructured data. The one thing to remember, and this is why we say ChatGPT is probably not good for factual questions, right, Mm. is when you ask it a question, you're not actually asking it to answer the question itself. What you're asking it is what likely answer would people be looking for for a question that is like this? Yeah. So what happens then is it might incorrectly, again, incorrectly attach it to a certain pattern and then throw back a response that's completely incorrect or just not in line with what you were expecting. It's not that the the AI itself has no concept of whether the information is right or wrong. It's just linked it to an incorrect pattern is what's happened there. Um, there's a lot of work that you can actually do up front, particularly with generative AI, and to try and guide it towards an answer that's going to make more sense through things like prompt design. Mm. So that's about really structuring the information that you feed into it, um, you know, telling it who you want it to act as, so maybe a head of marketing, what task is that you want it to do, you know, want you write me an article that's 500 words on whatever subject it may be, and then how you want that information presented back to you. So I want you to write it in a kind tone that's still professional. And then remembering as well that a lot of the times these sort of generated responses are a conversation. 
So that yeah. first draft that you get back, you can then go back and you can refine it. You can give it more context. If there's got technical information in there that's incorrect, you could give it the correct technical information or you could even include that as part of your initial prompts. But the big thing to remember at the end of the day is that it is it is a starting point. It's yeah. designed to help you get started, but any end refinement, any end context, any end concepts, that all boils down to the user. And to make it a little bit more PG, you put crap in, you get crap out. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. And you know what? This isn't this isn't only the case for t- for tech or for for machines. This is a t- the case for humans. Anybody that's ever briefed a service provider, it could be you know it could be a builder or an architect or it could be a graphic designer. If you don't provide sufficient context and give it and you know a structure around it give it insights give it what you do want give it give them what you don't want like lots and lots of context then what will happen is you'll say oh we want to rebrand we want a really fun brand and what you'll get back is something that should go on a childcare center not a financial advice firm right like it's and that's not the fault of the designer you just haven't no. briefed well right and i think we've got to get you're so right we've got to get good really good at briefing i think the other thing that I'm seeing too is, you know, as we, so chat GPT, I mean, from a creative sense is fantastic, you know, just getting you over that hurdle of that initial, some ideas and then digging further and then coming up with drafts and all that sort of thing. It's so wonderful in that sense for within an advice practice, you know, in advice, then, you know, I can see that what it's going to come down to is we may ask it something, you know, a tool, an AI generative AI tool, we'll ask it for something. It might be a strategy or a series of strategies. But then what it gives back will invariably state why it came up, the basis of that recommendation. Like if we're going to be confident in it, that's what we're going to get back. And as the experienced, you know, professionals and knowledgeable professionals we are, we can, you know, read through that and go, actually, I'm comfortable with that logic. Because like you say, this is just formulaic. Right. That's what, that's what an algorithm is. It's a formula. And so, so understanding the basis of the formula. I was chatting to a guy actually recently who, um, he, he joked, he said, look, if you manage to break AI in that it comes back with a nonsensical answer, go and check what you asked it because there's a good chance there isn't an answer in that you, what you've asked is already broken. You know, like you sort of asked something, you know, talking about downsides or contributions for 20 year olds or whatever it is, you've just broken its brain and it doesn't know how to answer. And it's just comes up with something ridiculous because you were ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? So I think the onus, like you say, really is on us. Um, and that's why. To be honest, I'm less concerned about internal tools, like tools that we'll use within the business because, like you say, these are about amping up what we can get done, even giving it rigor, giving it structure, yay. I guess the other side, though, is the extent to which it's then used for a, you know, whether it's robo-advice or anything like that, Um, and that's worth watching. We need to watch what happens there because, you know, how good will the consumer be at providing enough context? So that's That's where I think we're all going to be watching going, this will be interesting. (laughs) It's also worth noting as well, right? So AI is such a broad umbrella term and there are lots of different types of AI. You need to make sure that you're using the right AI that's fit for purpose. Think of it like trying to run a financial model in PowerPoint. Yeah. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense to do yeah. that, right? Yeah. Or in Word or something silly like yeah. that. Yeah. So making sure they're using the right tool. A lot of the the finance specific AI tools, they're not generative. Right. They will they will work off a large language model, for example. They might use natural language processes to give the answer back to you in a way that makes sense and is easy to under explain. But when you actually go underneath the hood and particularly things like modeling or stochastic modeling or anything like that, you actually start to get more towards that even though it is complex, that more simple yep. AI, again, yep. because it's got a very set process to go through. Yes, yep. you'll give the patterns already there. It doesn't need to go and find patterns. So that risk no. of a hallucination doesn't exist. Correct. All it's really doing, isn't it, is like repeating a formula 4,000 times that would take us weeks and weeks and weeks. It's done yeah. it in a minute. You know, so it's, really, it's really almost speeding up the, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> yeah. how fast that happened. Um, <laughs> I'm it. with you. And so, so that's where, um, you know, they, it'll be able to provide, um, some for the public, you know, some wonderful broader insights could be like, Oh, you know, but the, then, you know, once they start getting into the detail, that's where it'll be like, Oh, you probably need to speak to somebody because that's not what this tool is capable of doing. Right. There's <laughs> context like, here that I don't understand. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Um, so, yeah, I think it's uh, – I'm completely with you. You know, rubbish in, rubbish out is a real thing uh, and we've really got to 
be aware of the more context we give. And and look, all anybody listening who is an advisor that has used a paraplanner, you know what we're talking about here. You have written a one-line brief for a paraplanner and got a piece, an SOA back that didn't give you what you wanted. And, you know, we know that's on us. <laughs> it's not on the paraplanners aren't psychic and neither is AI. <laughs> it's not yes, psychic. So. Not yet at least. No, so, not yet. And, and yeah, oh, oh, we went down a rabbit hole there nearly. Woo. Yeah, the minute it can read my mind, I feel sorry for it. That'll get a bit distracting <laughs> for it, I think. So when we do talk about any new tech, AI or not, um, in this industry, we invariably, you know, immediately go, oh, what can it do for the provision of advice? Like we just dive into like SOAs and ROAs or strategy analysis. Would you agree, though, that there are so many other areas and roles in sort of the advice ecosystem or in financial services and, you know, that generative AI or AI tools could really assist and we're probably ignoring some real value that exists already there? Oh, absolutely. It's it's like going into the Google App Store or the Apple App Store or whatever it might be, right? There are so many different tools for so many different aspects of not just the provision of advice or giving advice to a client, but all the other things that sit around it yeah. as well. So. You know, being aware that you've got your things like your chatbots, like ChatGPT, there are content creation tools like Jasper or Copy. You've got image generation tools, note-taking tools. You've got tools that can help with emails, with calendar management. You know, the list goes on pretty much any sort of task that you complete within your day, whether it's personal or business, there's an AI for that. Uh, So it's, it's, I know we get really caught up on, you know, but is it compliant? Can I give this to the client? If you're not comfortable using something like AI in that space, then don't implement it somewhere in yeah. your back end that doesn't actually touch on a client process. Yeah, 100%. You know, try it 100%. for something a little bit different. Go into oh. ChatGPT and ask it to create you an itinerary for your next trip to Europe. It can do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And even, I mean, one of the great ways that I've seen it applied, and look, I'd encourage anybody listening to really flag this in the business you're in, if if you're not the business owner, is that sort of staff knowledge base, like something that can sit in the web ready anytime the client, you know, sorry, the team have a question about how do we do this? What do I do that? Where do I ask that? Like all of your processes, like, you know, we all know those static process documents, right, that never get opened once they've been finished. It's this huge yes. project and we never, ever look at it again, right? It's so normal. Imagine that being a living, breathing thing. You know, AI is perfect for that stuff. 100%. Um, we we actually often quite use um, within the Microsoft suite as well. We, uh, for whatever reason, just have ended up with a gazillion and one different communication channels. Yeah. Uh, so we've got, you know, dedicated things in Confluence. We've got Teams channels, there's Teams chats, there's email, then whatever. This is so many different ways that I can get information from our internal teams that I lose yeah. track of where stuff is yeah. at times. But in our Teams app, there's actually like a little 365 assistant, if you will. So I can search for a theme on that and it'll actually search through Teams. It'll search through the G Drive. It'll search through my Outlook. It'll go through all these different resources so I don't have to go hunting yeah. the stuff that I need yeah. to find. Right. And then it also and- very quickly shows you if your version control is crap because if you get about six different hits on like, something, you're oh, like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And look, um, even even for the provision of advice, like let's talk just before you actually provide the advice, you know, I'm sure most people listening have been through some sort of delayed and horrible and slow pre-vet process or some sort of, you know, getting some advice reviewed. Imagine a tool that's doing that as you're typing up the advice or as you're creating it. Right. Imagine Absolutely. it just checking and nudging you. Oh, did you think about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, like this is good stuff. You know, <laughs> this is going to save some pain and suffering on everybody. So I think, you know, really going a bit broader and thinking about all the roles and even asking every role to sort of start thinking about their tasks and let's all together discover that, you know, the things out there that might sort of add some value or make life just that much easier. Yeah, and that's the key thing that we we do cover off in our report as well is, you know, don't just jump in and think, I'm going to try all these new tools because I heard they're really cool. (laughs) I would actually take the time to stop and think, okay, what's, number one, what's some really low-hanging fruit that we could probably fix easily? Is this some stuff that's a little bit more complicated, but I'd really love to get that sorted because it sucks up a lot of my time. Really be clear about what the problem is you're trying to solve. Because if you just go into Google and type AI tools 2024... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> how long's a piece oh, of string yeah. you know what what do you want it to help you with 
basically. So be very clear about the problems that you're trying to solve first before you jump in because you'll just end up with a thousand and one new apps that don't fix anything. Absolutely. And and I love that. And really going granular. I think put, oh, I want to fix advice. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like a specific thing. I mean, if you work for a boss and you spend an inordinate amount of time trying to coordinate meetings between, you know, your boss and the other people within the team, like if there's this ridiculous round robin that goes on trying to get a team meeting time, there's tools for that, right? <laughs> AI tools that will do that. So, you know, to think about the things that either, you know, drive you nuts because it's hard and repetitive and circular, you know, you can find some joy just in those, you know, and how, I mean, it's so good for morale, right? When you don't have to do those stupid things, <laughs> yep. frustrate you. And there's loads of them out there. Now, to that end, is there a place that you're aware of that sort of summarizes or keeps track of all the new tools? Like, is there anywhere that somebody could start and go, hey, I want to try and find one for this particular task? Are you aware of a place to find those? Yeah, look, there's a couple of different places to start, really. Look, Google's always your friend, but I know that that's also a massive rabbit hole as well. Mm. So if you're really not sure where to start, so I I would suggest having a look at our 2023 advice tech report. Yep. So We've done a lot of work, a lot of the legwork in not only looking at different uses of AI across different things like client experience, marketing, admin, back office, et cetera, and then providing examples of software in those categories. But towards the end, there's actually a nice, neat little list of resources there that anyone can access. Awesome. So those resources are you know, a link to the Gen or the Generative AI LinkedIn page. If you haven't checked that out, that's a really great place to start. There's lots of chat on there. They've actually launched their own marketplace nice. recently. As nice. well, you have things like white papers, which are probably a little bit more static and articles, but it's still nice to go through and have a read because even with mm. my own research, I've started to find that actually a few things have changed from the back of those articles. But again, it's great to get a history and a background and a flavor. Yeah. They've also got a really great link in there um, for a thing called the Linus, Linus newspapers, newsletter, yeah. I should say. Um, it's worth subscribing to that as well. So they really cover that technology and finance crossover and there's so much content there's an article every single day that comes out across you know they just did one on the whole BlackRock um AI thing that's going on at the moment so it's a really great way just to keep abreast of the new stuff and then for those out there who sort of don't want to go self-guided or maybe you're managing a, a bigger business or a company and you really want that professional regimented guiding instruction workshops, you know, anything that helps you along that AI adoption journey, there is also Evolved Reasoning as well. Um, so they can be checked out at evolvedreasoning.ai, uh, um, but they do a really great job of working very closely uh, with businesses to actually implement workable strategies. Awesome. Awesome. And it's so, um, yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge where each of us are at, right? So you could yeah. be like me, some sort of psycho squirrel that's curious about everything. So I'm loving it. Oh, and I'll register for this and I'll see it because my learning process is sort of witnessing things. I just love to see what's there, right? So that's great. But you might not be that at all, right? You know, it might need to have somebody that goes alongside you. You brief them on where the business is at, your concerns, hopes and dreams for where you'd love the business to operate. And then somebody can do that sort of filtering in that collation for you. So it's it's really, nobody's expecting us all to approach this the same way, right? No. It's like any type of learning. We all approach these things quite differently. I think the one thing that we all need to acknowledge is we do need to act in some fashion. So it's yeah. like you're taking a step, I figure, you know, you're heading in the right the right direction. Um, head down, hands over eyes, hoping it goes away, I'm, a, I'm afraid to say, is not going to work in this particular instance. No. As, as, you know, as much as we'd love it to work for all sorts of things, it doesn't, unfortunately. Um, no. Now, one I'm a little – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, sorry, one thing I didn't mention there as well is if you're just really not sure where to start as well, we do also have a really great workshop. The workshop cool. itself only takes about 90 minutes. Um, but again, if you're struggling to come up with defined goals around what problems you're trying to solve, again, that can really help you narrow down your focus as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, now, you guys have been using Microsoft Copilot, which is their sort of AI buddy, like you were talking about, in between all the different Microsoft tools. Um, I mean, the first thing to realize is most people probably aren't aware of how many Microsoft tools there are to start with, you know. So yes. <laughs> so being aware of all the things that you've, you're paying for and probably not using is a great start because, you know, you guys have got to test this. I'm curious, now that you've been using it for a little while, you know, what worked for you but also 
what was sort of a bit weird and hard to adjust to? You know, was there something that happened, started happening differently and like, oh, hold on, <laughs> this is throwing me off my game a little. I've got to get used to this. Oh, I, I have absolutely loved it. So we progressively rolled out Copilot um, into a couple of different applications. So it started off in Outlook, which right. probably made the most sense, right? Because at the end of the day, again, we, the business recognized that quite a lot of us were actually starting to use ChatGPT to help us draft things like sales emails or agendas or whatever it might be. And, you know, again, with that comes the risk that somewhere along the line, maybe, you know, we're all we can't call client information, but maybe some client information might go in. So yeah, we said, look, okay, let's pop it into Outlook because that seems to be a very easy way to sort of ease into it. Mm. And uh, one thing that kind of shocks me is it was about oh, 8 p.m. on a weeknight, had a long day and a certain thing hadn't gone the way that I expected it to. So I typed up this email um, and I'd go on to hit send and I thought, I'll just check. I'll just check if there's. So there's two ways that you can use Copilot in Outlook. There's yep. the actual um, Copilot itself where you just give it a couple of dot points and then it builds out a whole email. Right around that. I found that really handy for just simple emails. So yeah. if I'm acknowledging the receipt of an email or if I'm booking in a meeting time, great for that sort of stuff. If I've got to type out a really detailed technical instructional email, not good. I'll do yeah. that myself. Yeah. <laughs> but for yeah. those simple ones where I would have spent five minutes, it takes me 10 seconds. Yeah. But then I've got a second one, which is coaching with Copilot. So what it does is it reads your existing email, but then gives you feedback on the clarity of your email, the tone of your email, and the context of your email. Love it. And um, the first thing it said to me was the tone of this email is aggressive. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, actually, you know what? It is a little short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which is important. You know what? I mean, I love it, as funny as that is, but I love that as feedback. I've got this little pet thing with the team. I'm like, every time you're about to send an email, you know, review it and and lift it by one smile, like one smile level, because we all read emails more negatively than often they're written anyway. I don't know whether like, anybody's real, but we do because it looks a bit clipped and it's a bit official and you're like, no, oh, he didn't have to say that. But then when <laughs> that's not what they meant, right? They're just being no. professional and, and organized and getting back to you and all that sort of thing. So I love that sort of feedback. That's fantastic because that it could great. save. It caught me oh. off guard. <laughs> and you know what? The um, Having a third party to take a look at the way we've written somebody, something and look at it really from a comprehension perspective that's so valuable. That can save you four emails backwards and forwards and confusion and delays instead of getting you to lay it out a bit more clearly. Like, oh, I mean, that's gold. 100%. And look, yeah. I, I reckon we've probably saved about one full-time employee in Sydney because of the amount of times that I would go, hey, can someone just read this email and make sure it sounds all right? <laughs> so yes. I could just, just run it through coach. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and it's I mean, you know, anybody listening for your for your admin team, I mean, admin team are wonderful. You know, they're so organized, you know, they get things done. But but people who are very organized and are really good at, you know, checklists and tick, often when they write, it can come across as organized and efficient and checklist, you know. So so this type of insight can be invaluable. It just a little bit of friendliness or lighten the tone, like, oh, I love it. As hysterical as it's, I love that. That is and people go, Oh, really, is that valuable? Hugely valuable hugely well, it was, valuable it was a fairly innocent email as i hadn't timed it in anger i was just no pressed for time so i, I think i'd said something along the lines of what's happened here yeah and that's what it had picked up as a little bit aggressive but it does things like as well you know you forgot to acknowledge someone's time they've taken on this or little yeah. things like that um i've really loved the teams co-pilot as well so teams was yep. the next one that rolled out yeah um particularly with things like summarizing meetings so we wow. have for example, um, we, my, the rest of my colleagues are currently in our national sales meeting at the moment. So what I'll do after this meeting is I'll go back to Copilot and I'll ask it to summarize the key points nice. that I missed. And I'll get nice. a nice little paragraph that'll tell me everything that was discussed. Um, and then PowerPoint's the other one. So that's probably one of the more recent tools that Copilot mm. has launched in. Um, so in preparation for the all licensee PD day, Normally, what I would do is practice a couple of times with colleagues. And anyway, they've now got a coach in PowerPoint. So it listens to you. You practice to the screen. And then at the end, it gives you a whole synopsis of your cadence, your tone, if you were talking too quickly or too slowly, oh. if particular slides were repetitive. 
Fantastic. Uh, words and it was, it's awesome. I have, I used that an awful lot when it was silly o'clock at night and not, not really appropriate to call my poor TRM and go, hey, Nick, can you listen to me present this section again? But also, don't you love the fact that you can, you could just repeatedly do that and you're not exposing your ego to people yet? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you're refining it, you're refining it, you're refining it. Good. All right. Now I'll run it past a human being. But such a great thing. If anybody's listening and you're, you know, fearful of even doing sessions for the public or your clients or in partnership, um, you know, with maybe one of your, your referral providers, it, this is a great, oh, I mean, what a wonderful tool to help awesome. you just refine things um, and feel better about this. You know, I mean, there's always a balance with those things. You know, there's always a, a you know, you've got to take some of that feedback feedback, you know, on the chin and some of it is is not relevant, but anything that gets you more confidence and just helps you realize um, where you're hanging around too much on a particular slide or, you know, anything like that, you know, that's fantastic. I mean, that's really, that's a true buddy, right? That's really a co-pilot. That's that person sitting next to you, um, you know, helping you along and, and, you know, really making things more effective. Oh, I love that as an example. Now, I think... I, I think so. You guys were an early um, beta tester, weren't you, of Microsoft Copilot? Yes, that's right. Yeah. We were one of the early adopters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think not everybody will necessarily be able to um, get access to it immediately. But I guess based on what even you just described, if you are a Microsoft Office, you may want to reach out to your <laughs> license licensee or who, you know whoever's provided you with access to Microsoft and say, "Pick me, pick me, please," because uh, it sounds like there's some very real. Um, value in sort of the day to day, so I'm I a haven't little even scratched the surface. Right, there there's is, so much, there so, is much. so much. Yeah. <laughs> now along those lines, I'm a little curious about what NetWealth might be implementing on a sort of AI buddy front. You know, for the platform or for the way we interact with you know NetWealth. Is there something you know coming up that we can look forward to that's going to start taking advantage of some of this technology? Yes, so definitely watch this space. Um, I can't talk too much about it at the moment, um, but we are working on some really incredible stuff uh, with a very well-known vendor at the moment. Um, So ones that is a little bit more publicly available, we'll be sure to let you know. But yeah, definitely watch this space. There is some really cool stuff that's due to come out. And I think what's exciting for me about that is the fact that you guys are using and learning about the power of these tools just in your day to day. I'd imagine, therefore, you know, even in your role, you're able to make suggestions of what will be great for advisors. It's a bit more real. It's not that sort of high level, big picture stuff. It's, oh, this little thing, if we could fix that little thing, you know, how much value could they get? Some of it's really basic stuff as well. So we actually, we actually, and this sounds so trivial. Um, but funnily enough, we've actually been approached by businesses wanting to buy the code for this. <laughs> um, but just being able to automatically redact TFN numbers that come yes. in on documents. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. We, we designed a program because we get a lot of different, like, obviously when our apps come in, it's already redacted on the application unless it's a handwritten application. But sometimes yeah. we get random other documents like rollover benefit statements and right. all these other things that still have TFNs on them. So. We then have to let, politely let the other party know that they've breached, but yep. then also redact it in our own system as well. So we've now got an automated system that scans for tax file numbers and will redact them. Nice. Out. So little things right. like that, right? Oh. And it saved a hell of a lot of time. <laughs> so it's the time of doing it, but it's also the time when training somebody that used to have to know to look out for or used to have to be aware of, like it's all that brain capacity that we don't need to apply to that thing anymore, you know? <laughs> like we've Absolutely. all only got so much bandwidth, folks. So the more you can sort of pass it on to somewhere else, you know, the better we'll all be. 100%. And it's one of those things, well, it's a small thing to miss with potentially quite large repercussions. Yeah. So those are the things that are, you know, low value, high reward. So. Yeah, 100%. Now we've covered a lot, you know, before we sort of wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to sort of leave the audience with when it comes to sort of AI and the advice landscape? Is there anything you feel we've missed? I think we've covered most of the stuff that I did want to go through today, but I think just to revisit that one point, I've mentioned a couple of times, so sorry to harp on about it a little bit, but just if you are planning on using AI, like I mentioned, make sure that you are using an AI tool that's fit for purpose. Just because a motorcycle and a bicycle both have two wheels, it doesn't mean 
that they are the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so do your research, be prepared, speak to your peers as well. If you're thinking yeah. of using new software, there's nothing quite like asking for a you know, testimonial from somebody who's already gone through it. What did they like? What did they not like? And just don't rush into it. These These things are coming. You will start to see them as part of your everyday software anyway. Mm. So if there is other stuff outside of that that you want to use, just yet. Yeah, Make sure you you take your steps to set yourself up for success uh, because the last thing any of us want to do is waste time. There will be friction. There always is. There's yeah. always a learning curve. There's always stepping stones. Um, but it is such an incredibly exciting area. Um, and I can't wait to see what my job looks like in five years' time because I have a funny feeling it's going to be very, very different. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Like we're all going to evolve. You know, we're not going to disappear. It's just evolution. You know, we're all just going to evolve into different things. And I'm with you. I'm excited about what that's going to look like. Yeah. For sure. Thank all you. right, advice explorers. If you'd like, like, like Rachel mentioned, if you'd like to find out more about either the NetWealth Advice Tech Report or all of those other resources she talked about, they're all on the advice, the sorry, the advisor section of the website. So we'll include the link to that in the episode show notes, along with Rachel's LinkedIn details in case you want to reach out and ask any more questions or get it to point you towards somebody you need some assistance from within NetWealth. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Rachel. That was fantastic and sort of taking us further along this path, I'd say path, maybe this raceway that seems to be AI adoption. I'll look forward to seeing what uh, you and NetWealth come up with next. Thanks, Peter. It's been my pleasure. So I'm hoping that really got you thinking a bit further about AI and generative AI and all these tricky and clever and big word things uh, that we're all being exposed to. I guess I wanted to reinforce, um, you know, Rachel's background, meaning, you know, she doesn't have a background in tech, in coding, in any of this sort of thing. But as you heard, as we were talking, she has managed to immerse herself in in this sort of world enough that she can talk with the appropriate jargon and language about what's going on. She can have an opinion about things. She can see where the risks are. So, you know, if there was one lesson out of this episode, it's that we just need to lean in a bit more, get a bit more curious, subscribe to some of those newsletters, join these LinkedIn groups and just start to learn a bit more because as we get a bit more awareness simply of a topic, then we can ask more questions. And as we ask more questions, we know even more what we don't know. And then we ask even more questions, right? That's the journey of learning. you know. And I think um, as somebody who presents on tech generally in our industry, one of the most popular questions I get is, yeah, but Peter, what's the one piece of tech we should all have? You know, and and I guarantee you, you were all thinking that right as you were going through the the discussion we just had. And and what I would say to you is, but what's the problem you've got to solve? And just like if somebody said to us at a barbecue, "Gee, what's the one strategy I should have?" You know, financial advice. What's the one thing? You know, well, it depends on your situation, doesn't it? So we might get frustrated with the public when they try and get those free tip things out of us. It's not because it's for free; it's because it's not that simple right? You need context to be able to answer these questions. That's the same with tech and it's absolutely the same with AI. You need to know the problem you have first and then without a doubt, you are going to find a tool that'll solve it. I have no doubt. And if it doesn't exist now, it will shortly. So um, start to just inquire, start asking questions on the Ensemble platform. I've been doing that too. You know, hey guys, have you tried out this? What do you think? Um, is anybody running, you know, into any roadblocks on this particular tool? Just start to play because often when you start using something, that's when you can ask better questions, you know, and you can dig deeper and you can really push back and get a really good sense of what you're trying to do. So I'm hoping that A, this was helpful um, and that you feel like you've got a bit further down your AI journey, that it answered some of the extra questions you had after the uh, PD day um, and Rachel's session, you know, at the PD day, and that it's got you thinking, all right, I'm going to go off and, and start to follow a few things so that I can get a better understanding of this because all of us are going to probably need to educate others in our world, whether it's our business owners or or license, you know, dealer groups, compliance managers, all sorts of people we're going to need to help get across the line on this topic. Um, and we'll, you know, better off arm in arm doing it together uh, so that we can all move forward and get some real value for the industry. And ultimately, I am confident it will be possible to reach more people in a more effective and valuable way. So, you know, let's lean in. Now, Next week, we'll most likely be back with an interview of an advice tech provider, um, and I will then provide you with another Curiosity Corner tip, I promise. However, 
In the meantime, if there is a topic you'd love us to cover as one of these feature episodes, then please do let us know and reach out. Otherwise, that's all we've got for this week, folks. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get your advice tech fix automatically sent to you each Friday. And hey, if you would like a speaker at your next event or maybe for a webinar for your group, then, you know, my sort of keynote, I've got a couple of keynotes right now about tech overload to tech delight. I've even got one about how do you get your practice advice tech ready um, with a particular lean towards AI. What can we do now without knowing what AI we need? What can we do within the business to get us ready so that the minute that piece of AI exists, we can take advantage of it? Now, if any of that piques your interest, then I'd love for you to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, That's forward slash Peter MD, P-E-I-T-A-M-D. Otherwise, I'll look forward to turning up in your earbuds next week. And remember, Advice Explorers, stay curious. (laughs) Oh, my God.